now on PG Podcast Network, it's time for the year-round carnival with Vince Accardi and your host, Racetrack Rolfie. G'day, thanks so much for checking out our year-round carnival podcast. And each and every Monday, we have a good look at where the best racing was in Australia, primarily Melbourne and Sydney, and we do so via Vince Accardi's IVR platform. G'day, Vince. Rolfie, top of the morning to you. Top of the morning to you, and oh, I know you, you, you're bullish year-round, mate. That's why we're called year-round carnival, but yep. it's, it's good to see good horses return. Uh, oh, no complaints from me, absolutely. <laughs> They're always better, than, you know, the viewing's better than the slower ones. <laughs> absolutely right. So we'll kick off with Randwick. Uh, Af Cabin was the rock star. Before we get to uh, some details about uh, what Af Cabin did and a couple of others, um, how did Randwick play? Yes, well... <laughs> It's it's interesting. The lanes I thought was really the big interesting part about how tight they raced in most of the races, not all the races, but they really wanted to stay close to the fence, which was, I guess, no surprise. But it was, uh, I guess, a premium for whoever went there during the course of the day, because typically when you have the rail placement where it is, it does have an edge if you can be closer to the fence. And if you have a look at it, the Majority of winners, with the exception of race number four, all came between sort of lanes eleven and fifteen. So that's that's the the real indicator. And in terms of the spread of where you were positioned on the grid, really didn't matter. You could just be stalking the lead, or you can be coming from a half a half a dozen lengths off the speed and win. So that goes down to one of your key fundamentals, and that is the lanes don't move. So if the rail's out eight metres, it's pretty easy for the on-paces to get to there first. Well, you can see they were all sort of four to six off that fence. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's not muck around. Let's, let's get, get to half cabin that, that's got us all so excited. The Eskimo Prince Stakes winner. Um, as far as uh, your pre-race thoughts to half cabin, I'll, uh, I'll just read from your race speed profiles that are available, of course, uh, from daily sectionals and also our our listeners who get our preview podcast this Friday for the All Stakes. We're returning that. We do it for the big group ones, and uh, and that's going to return this Friday. You can get our preview podcast now via racetrackralphie.com.au. And um, and like I said, you, if you're an existing customer, there's an option to get out just our podcast, but otherwise uh, you get the race speed profiles both early on the Friday and the final edition. This is what you said about our cabin pre-race. Boom Galloper resuming from 140-day break, having the one positive lead in Barry Trial, yet to miss top two from four career starts, posting a P last campaign of 0.2 above IVR benchmark when a winner at Group 3 level over 1,400, his two defeats campaign came at this distance. The first, his debut run on a bottomless track at Warwick Farm, subsequent to defeat Jackano on a hard day to run time. This is the, the key part, though, Vince, was you went on to say about the last 400 of that Sandown win, which was booming, and uh, he's untapped with loath to place the ceiling on him. So what did we learn on Saturday? Well, the horse sort of started off the campaign, that preparation, 3.8 below first up Warwick Farm, heavy track, very heavy, minus 30 on the Raws, Ralphie, and finished the campaign with a, a you know, modest 0.3 above, so good progression, and here it is first up, plus 1.9, so distinct, even if we remove the first up heavy track run, the data's clearly indicate two three-length better horse than last campaign, which is fantastic. And, and then I look at that first section, 3.2 lengths below benchmark, 0.5 above between the eight and the four, four and a half lengths above last 400. That sort of gives me some confidence that just on natural progression from 
when I say conditioning, I, a little bit of a caveat. I felt the horse was reasonably forward, particularly on the way the horse trialed leading into it. But I'd still say there's got to be at least another length just on conditioning. And then it's just a matter of how much the horse evolves. And we already know that it's two to three lengths better. So at the moment, I'm sort of pinning this horse a plus three to plus five range type horse. That's that's his potential right now. Which is serious, uh, serious stuff. Um, the, uh, the the James McDonald ride, you couldn't have got a better race shape for this horse, resuming to avoid flatness, yeah? Yes, definitely. It was beautiful. All, all the energy exertion was late in the race, which is really important. And I felt, again, you know, the trial was like a good indicator about how forward the horse was. Lightly raced horses that you, you know to use the, the the line you used in daily section in, in the daily sectionals uh, race speed profiles no ceiling. It is something you just have to take it take a breath with sometimes, isn't it? Because four starts that Caulfield win, for instance, when he was dominant and he became Caulfield Guinea's favourite. Of course, he, he had a bit of a setback and they spelled him, but that track was after. I remember the deluge hit Melbourne like you wouldn't believe it was a heavy twenty effectively. So there's only so much you can do on the clock on those bottomless tracks. Yeah, and he's definitely demonstrated that he's got a level of uh, superiority on the dry ground as well. What do we see from that little flash home runner, Brosnan? Because I note uh, best last 1,000 metres of the day, that's a good sign. And again, like many horses from Sydney, we have to say that 2022 was such a wipeout with uh, with the terrible weather they continuously had. We might know the best of some of these horses at this stage. Now, that's very true, Ralphie. I guess the starting point is it's a 0.8 below benchmark. Yep. So at the moment... What it is chasing is chasing its Eagle Farm profile of uh, the 11th of the 6th, 2022 at 0.3 below. Right. So that, that's where it's trending at the moment. It's trending to that. Is it going to trend much more than that? Well, there's no doubt this horse is going to love more distance. That's going to be where we're going to see it. How much more is it going to progress? It is really a wait and see, but it, it is clear that this horse definitely needs 1,400 plus. All right. Well, a few of our members have asked for a matchup between Animo and F Cavett at the same time of year, and that's a, it's a pretty obvious uh, matchup to, to make, given that uh, Animo obviously uh, in the Blue Jackets with James Cummings as well. So we'll, we'll do a little matchup with the uh, with F Cavett versus Animo on what Animo was doing this time last year, and we'll do that as part of our bonus podcast. So our members get uh, Group One members get sent a little bonus podcast we do each week. We're also going to have a look at the Nature Strip trial during the week, and we've got a, a question from South Australia as well. But uh, if we go to the, the previous race, though, Vince, remark. Now, how much did the 62 kilos weigh him down, please? I didn't even know he had 62. <laughs> no, I shouldn't be. Did like, you look? Should I? <laughs> did you forget again? Well, it's, it's good to forget, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> Man, have a look at the sprint. The last 400 metres, with the, if that's the, the scenario with the weight, I mean, a 7.1. Now, I might add... It wasn't off a, a slow coach's early speed either. 2.4 lengths below benchmark, this horse was travelling through that first couple of hundred metres. I mean, the lead speed was a length below, so it's only just over a length behind that. But that's good speed, I always say. For 200 metres, you've really got to be rolling to be able to get near benchmark. It's not an easy thing to do. What's the standard? So, yeah, so you'd like yeah. to think then the weight would have absolutely 
catapulted in the reverse direction. <laughs> so first up last prep, uh, he won at Rose Hill the 10th of September. We obviously put him in the Sizzlers, and that was his first start as a gelding. Well backed off two trials, now gelded, has returned with a clear PB, minus 3.4 at the 800, plus 0.7 mid-race, 2.8 last 400. Now best last 800 of the day. Uh, sorry, six best last 800 days. Showed the sustained nature of the close. Now focus. We look forward to tracking his progress. So he won at Randwick. He was spelled after the 15th of the 10th, uh, which was the Everest um, the Everest uh, Consolation Race. He was posted wide throughout. They're obviously taking their time with him. Typical John Hawks fashion with these slow maturing gallopers. 1.3 length above benchmark, six best of the day at Rose Hill. First up last prep. What's he done on, on Sunday? Yeah, well, he's turned up with a plus 2.4, new PB, a length up on last campaign, and was the best performance of the day. And, well, that's... And that's probably rightfully so. I mean, yeah. it's very impressive. So that, that's that's super there as far as uh, remarks concerned. Uh, Coat was uh, a horse that, um, you know, obviously riding your, in your race speed profiles there yes. for, for for his talent level. Just before I asked you what he did on the clock and whether he overexerted, I, I you know, had it on Channel 7 and uh, Richo and Lizzie Jelfs there and they, they showed pre-race in the in the mounting yard and he was very, very keen and, and uh, Lizzie, who's obviously such a good judge, said, you know, I don't like this in a horse, particularly when they're first up. It's, it's explosive. They're wasting energy pre-race. And th- is that what he seemed to be doing on the clock? Well, overall, I mean, that first section was minus 1.1. And this is clearly a horse, very hard to gauge because the whole life campaign had been all on wet tracks, Ralphie, with yeah. the exception of one race, right? And so it is hard to say from a first sectional point of view. It is it has been accustomed to running slower. I just felt maybe in the end it was the 1,000 metres. Just didn't have that su- sustained durability from start to finish that that's all it was that's my view at this point in time we're, we're going to see a much better horse and, and we'll be able to relax a lot better too Ralphie when it gets up in distance but this horse was asked to go yep and ran I felt tenaciously just unfortunately the sprint's not there and, and maybe this is the challenge with this horse as well maybe it's a bit of a, a that sort of style where it doesn't have that booming sprint this could be the the challenge with this horse. We'll have to wait and see, but I, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to seeing this horse up at a longer distance. And I'm just putting down to the thousand metres. Just couldn't do it from start to finish. Well, last prep, second up, best of the day at uh, Canterbury, albeit on very wet ground, but over yep. twelve hundred and fifty metres. So that's, uh, I guess, uh, the, the background of what you're saying there. Yes, and I mean the horse does have you know excellent WTI figures as well. Does this mean maybe his his superiority is also going to be in a wet track? It's possible that you know these things are all going to come into play, but we'll we'll watch very closely because I think this horse has got some ability. But uh, on on the weekend, it was uh, an even keeled performance. All right, well, through through a listener question here from Darren. I was going to ask about inundation failing again, whether the track record win cooked him for the prep. Found out later he had cardiac arrhythmia. Not sure any of it's related. I'll pass, I'll pass on that. However, uh, I'll watch the winner Jungle Gym at Saturday. It looked visually amazing and the time backed it up. What's his talent level? So uh, we don't do sale on this, but what I'll do, because Darren's a great supporter of ours, Vince, I'll, uh, I'll flick him through some uh, some uh, IVR data from that when it comes through. Yep. Uh, from Steve, could we get some clarity with Randwick Race 5? Seemed to the eye, they were absolutely flying. So Sonora's performance looked outstanding. 
Vince, uh, it actually was the opposite, wasn't it? He, he actually got a reasonably easy pace. Ah, oh, be- beautiful first section. 3.3 lengths below benchmark through the first section for that horse. Still, I felt cru- cruising in the mid-race as well. Only increased his pace by a couple of lengths, but overall still travelling below the benchmark standard for that track and distance. Last 400 metres, really, it was the last 200 metres is what I liked. It was a plus two. Nice, nice performance. Definitely... Uh, you know, would have done this horse any harm at all. And, yeah, it was good, minus 1.3 overall. Yeah, I mean, not going to, you know, have giant clap hands, but it was good. Um, so inundation was one horse that hurt the punters that we, we just had an email about, another horse that uh, that hurt the punters. And I'm talking about, sorry, I'm talking about via the prism of uh, the unknown pre-race yep. was Solcom, who also obviously got such a big boom on him. But uh, he's uh, unfortunately, uh, he, he pulled up sore, I believe. I think I, I saw around there. Yeah, here we go from the stewards report. Pulled the gelding is off the bit at the 800 when the pace commenced to increase. Uh, anyway, two five lame. Chris Waller advised for a veterinary clearance, so we we didn't know that pre race. Banjo ended up being truck loaded. He justified the price, uh, but he still yet to do a lot on the clock. This horse in race six. Ah, uh, yes. Well, he's he, he's a, a competitive horse. That's yeah. the, probably the plus part with with this runner. I, I do like that part about him. He seems to uh, go out and be very very competitive, but performance wise. It's hard to say, Ralph. When they go eight links below benchmark first section, there's a lot, a lot you're going to be able to do in terms of the overall clock. But what we can really be comfortable with the squeeze in the mid race was excellent. Twelve point seven length move between the eight and the four hundred. That's a, that's a, a two second increase in pace for four hundred meters, and it was four point four point five lengths above in that actual section. Really, it did start to drop off after that, and I just feel that was all to do with the the boom in the in the mid race, and it's it's a difficult thing for a lot of horses to handle. But this sort of demonstrated that the horse does have some talent. Now, overall, minus two point three. It's, it's sort of sideways, Ralphie. Yeah, it's sideways. That's the that's the hard part. Even though it's won the last two runs. If it goes three, four lengths fast, which I believe this horse can do that, we would definitely mark this horse as an above benchmark type runner. So has he peaked? Is there another run? I'd say there's probably one more run on the horse and maybe next start will be his best. How excited should we be by the visually impressive flash home resuming run of no compromise? Big mid-race. Oh, modest well, over all time. <laughs> yeah, of course. The squeeze was the biggest of the day. It was a three-second squeeze. It was 18 lengths mid-race squeeze. So it was massive from yep. that point of view. So, of course, you would be really, really excited about that. And uh, no surprise, Ralphie, how many times you, have you put that up in the days when we used to go to the Crown and you would sh- show that hidden mid-race squeeze. Well, this one's probably not a hidden one because it ended up running second, but the squeeze was one of that that's going to do massive things for this horse. And I just look at it from from a trial point of view where it did about a minus 5.8 to the run, 2.3. You can see, firstly, there's a three-and-a-half length improvement in the horse to three lengths and going in one direction, looking for the distance and come back superb. Uh, we'll we'll go to we'll do one more at Randwick because I want to ask you about this uh, eight, this race nine. It was only benchmark seventy eight over eighteen hundred meters. Well, we, we, we're watching two imports whack, whack away, but 
then uh, the data comes through and they've both got a bit of scope, claim the crown and wine glass bay. What can you tell us? Well, both of them were just borderline benchmark. Just yeah, good missing, sign. Yeah, just missing the top 10, which is fantastic. Again, I love the fact that they didn't, you know, sort of burn too much fuel through the first half of the race. I mean, claim the crown was going 5.3 lengths below benchmark first section. Wine Glass Bay was going 4.6 lengths below benchmark, and then it was just a build from there. I'm, I do note, though, claim the crown just between the four and the 200 metres, Rafi, lost about 1.8 lengths. So the win is good, and I'm sitting here saying that horse has got even more scope for improvement when compared to the other runner. So that's due to just a flat spot and, you know, yep. learn from racing a bit and then all of a sudden you smooth that out and you can you can really add to that what, what your expectations are going forward. Yeah, well, the second horse has only lost like 0.3 of momentum and claim the crown has lost 1.8. Right. So it's a, a critical point in the race as far as I'm concerned as well, getting towards that last 200 metres. It that does play a role. And first up to second up, it's just massive. Yeah. Massive improvement. All right, like I said, Alistair and um, and another uh, member in uh, in who was it? One of the anyway, I've just lost his name there, but one of the other members have asked for a Animo uh, v um, v uh, F cabin comparison. So we'll do that. Can we can we flick back to just before we get to Sandown? I just want to go back to Morfordville last week, which was the uh, the listed race, the race eight on the on the day. Shimino won. Um, which was uh, which was a bit of a surprise to the market. Of course, we went out deep in the lanes, and it really disappointed those who were who were on Camel Passer, who was disappointing as favourite, and a couple of other uh, good horses there like Bo Rossa, but Bo Rossa uh, I think pulled out uh, put, put up sore. What did Chimino do on the clock? Danny wants to know uh, as far as it's concerned. Yeah, and this is uh, race eight. Did you say, Ralphie? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's a list of race there. Yeah, there it is, Chimino. 7.1 lengths below benchmark first section. Pretty cruisy. Big move in the mid-race. Uh, you know, inside the top 20, it was a 7.6 length move, but half a length above benchmark. Last 400 was dynamic, though, Ralphie. 5.8. I know you touched on the lanes. Overall, third best of the day. It was a tough day to run time. And 0.6 below, so very good performance. Yeah. Where, where, where does uh, see you in heaven uh, fit there? Because it was first up. Uh, it's obviously got a profile of a bit better, a bit longer, and always showed a little bit of uh, talent. It's been racing since since uh, well Cup Day as, it, as in its two year old days. Well, it's a, it's a young horse. I had to do four lengths more work in the mid race. Probably a little bit disappointing. The overall last four hundred based off the off the race shape was probably entitled to do a little bit more. And I'm not going to sit there and say it was all about conditioning because I'm not sure if it was, Ralphie. It just it didn't have the finish that I was hoping to see. Now, overall, it's still top 10 for the day. Yep. So Danny wanted to know, he said, on Saturday, Shimino carried the same weight as when it won a listed race and won narrowly. Convinced, give his thoughts on weights and why opinions against experts seem to appear differing to weight Horses weight ha- sorry weight horses have to carry in sprint races and why Shimino opened up seventeen dollars overs when recently running second to Jigsaw so I suppose it goes to back to just a fundamental of yours that uh, we, that we mentioned with Remark it's not something you concern you about yourself about now no Rolf I mean weights do play a role I'm not sitting here and saying they don't play no role they do play a role but it's a lot got to do with the shape of the race if you're going to carry a big weight and you're on very wet ground and you get caught in a pack and you can't get out 
that's going to have an impact on your acceleration. If you're overextended with a heavy weight and you're, again, you're on very wet ground, that's going to have an impact. But if you get a scenario and you're carrying a large weight, you know, 58, 59, 60, 61 kilos, 62 kilos, which is a big weight for most horses, and you get an unimpeded run and you get a smooth acceleration, particularly from the last 500 home, the chances of that preventing you from winning is only going to be dictated by a classier horse. That's it. Right. Nice and simple. Let's get to uh, Sandown. Now, I saw uh, Ben Mellon uh, put out a tweet uh, just basically laughing at the fact that it was put out as a, a soft five. How, how, how slow did the uh, did the track actually play early in the day there? With uh, and, ben, and Ben actually won the second race there on uh, Zafilka, or however you pronounce it. Yeah, well, I, I reckon... Uh, around the back, Ralphie. This is for, you know from the shoot for the thousand meters. There was no question that ground was off big time. Right. There's no question. I mean, they're going minus fives in the sprints. Yeah, you know, this yeah. is ground condition wise. Fast horses don't do that. No, no, no. They're generally speaking, because remember it's downhill. Yeah. Uh, generally speaking, <laughs> it's it's you know minus one would have been a lot more realistic and in line with what I would have expected, given that all the races after that were pretty much two to six lengths above standard right. to the 800 meter mark yes the 600 meter point there's a patch there all the way to the 400 100 that track was off and in the uh, wet ground rage there and then as usual home straight nice and clean probably race like a g4 my old mate Mick Goody uh, also uh, put out. He said, "Well, that's what happens if you want, want to make the curators put out a, a, a with give uh, track. If rain hits race morning, it's, instead of getting a four, we're going to get a six or a seven because there's already water in the track." Yeah, and 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 Sandown is a place where even if it doesn't look like it's going to rain, it's going to rain there. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> well, for, well, for those of us old enough as footy fans, we know at VFL Park Waverley it always rains, and at Sandown it always rains. That's it. <laughs> it's just it's just a belt where the rain just loves to live. Yeah. And we're going to have a lot of high quality races there. Absolutely. And so uh, I, I hope they um, make some different decisions on some things. Well, without getting cocky, I'd like Sydney. Um, we, we generally get one really wet track in in uh, from in the first three months of the year, and that's it. And it looks like the, the forecast's pretty good this week, so hopefully the fast horses can get an opportunity to run fast. Roy's asked Vince from that first race, so, okay, um, inundation. Got beaten and had cardiac arrhythmia. The animal's not right on the day, fair enough. But Roy's asked, Tycoon Hammer has broken the clock if accurate last 600. Have they gone ridiculously slow on inundation or is Tycoon Harmony, uh, yeah. sorry, is uh, Tycoon Hummer turned into Nature Strip? <laughs> oh, no, no, we, we ain't going to compare any of that. those things. I mean, you've got to remember, there's the answer, eight lengths below benchmark first section. Of course, there's, given the ground that plays part of her off, it's still, that's a crawl. Yes. That's not high, high bustling speed. Bottom line, minus 1.8 overall, 11th best of the day. Is it entitled to get the overall fastest last 800 day? Well, it should, and even the 600, because that's really where the work came in. It was a rolling start, and then it's just a, a, a pretty bustling move from there on in. But didn't break benchmark, Ralphie, so I'm not going to sit here and give it a big clap of hands. It's got up, and, and we know what's happened with the favourite. Just on this point, so with the um, 
with a, a, a race shape, you mentioned about weight. I'm going to ask you about uh, track conditions because post-race John McArdle said, well, she's an, it can't be that bad because she's an absolute duffer in the wet ground and he would know his own horse. But I'm just wondering under a circumstance where you get to build into a race rather than if you're thrown into a fast race on a wet track where you can't get your feet if you're a bit iffy, maybe it's a different circumstance for it. Well, it definitely had the advantage from there on in and this this helped the horse. It's one of these things, Ralph, when you go so slow and there was no other horse in the race that had any sort of big sprint about him in the end as it pans out, then you're going to be advantaged. Yeah. You're definitely going to be advantaged because when I look at the profile of this horse, this is, this is a runner that's clearly demonstrated on a number of occasions the sustained speed the horse has over 800 metres. Look at the Mooney Valley run back in March of last year. That's 8.8 lengths last 800 metres combined, last 400 plus five. Now, you know, Ralphie, half of that's around the bend. I mean, you've got 100 and, less than 180 metres straight at Mooney Valley, and it produces like a plus five last 400. And then to just sort of back that up, you just only got to go to the Caulfield run over 1,000 metres back in May, and there it is again, last 403.5, combined last 800 metres in excess of six lengths. That means it's got sustained speed, at least over 600 metres to 800 metres, and it does have acceleration. This is usually a, a recipe for good design if you get the right race shape. Now, if they went fast, that'd be a negative for the horse, but they went slow, so the horse was able to use that asset, and, and the asset was used between the 8 and the 400 because it was the fourth biggest squeeze of the day then. It was a 7.3 length squeeze for Tycoon Hummer. And this is how this horse managed to get victory. They're very much related to the race shape. Let me ask you about Benedetta in the fourth race. Is she doing enough on the clock to say stakes class or is she just doing a good job winning winning races at uh, going through the grades? Well, it's how much you're going to now take into consideration the last 400 metres. I mean, Given the scenario, two lengths above benchmark first section, very, very good speed for 1,300 metres. But it was deterioration from there. Last 400 was seven lengths below, Ralph. Like, it was a big drop-off in terms of speed. Okay, I'm probably attributing the very last 200 metres where it's most significant. It's lost, like, three lengths of velocity. Young horses, what does that all mean for them and you know how do you sit here and say okay where are you going to go well you know like i mean also three lifetime starts yeah it's downside just seems to be the way it finishes off over more distance so is this going to be the problem with the horse i just feel they've got to probably learn to get this horse to relax a lot more if they're going to be aiming for these sort of distances because what's going to happen is this if they get into another race similar to this and they hold on, you know, in terms of pressure between the 8 and the 400 and not have a massive drop-off, the horse is going to run last. Right. All so right, that's well. the downside. But if they get into a race where there's not a lot of pressure through the first section, then it's going to help the horse. When I just feel at the moment, I, I, I know it's one, you know, Two races now, 1,300, and you feel like, oh, okay, we're just going to bump up. But have a look at the Sandown win, Ralphie. The last 400 of that Sandown win was nine lengths below benchmark last 400 metres. That's that's not a positive sign, but all you can do is win. Yeah, sometimes you're passing tired horses. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. Well, we'll, we'll no doubt be able to preview that anyway whenever she next runs because we're yep. doing a f- in the next few weeks in Melbourne. British Columbia, look, we put, this is a, this is an, another interesting one, Vince, because um, we put a big stamp on him on our sizzlers. Uh, now you can get our February sizzlers, by the way, the Black Bookers, uh, from Boxing Day. Just missed first up, four, settling 4.5 from the lead early. It's the early speed we really should improve going forward. Minus 0.3 at the 800. Plus 0.4 in the mid race before 3.2 last 400, plus 2.7 last 200 in isolation, fourth best last 400 and 200 of the day. I'm oh, sorry, best last 200. Adds context to the closing speed. One second up here, last prep going 1.2 early, minus 1.1 overall. This was similar to his packing a mile win. So return with a new PB says lightly race four year old, still the best in front of him. Should be in for a strong summer. Now, Vince, this was where. The, the data in the mid-race is two things I want to ask you about because at Flemington he led, but he led slowly. And then on Saturday, and he wasn't ready for the big mid-race that came in, but on Saturday, and uh, Graham Begg and uh, Jordan Child said as much post-race, they said, no, nah, let's let this horse roll at speed. And that's exactly what the numbers show. Yeah, and that's, you're right, Ralphie. I mean, really solid. I mean, going from an 8.3 lengths below benchmark at Flemington on the 4th of January and then reversing that speed to this weekend that just went by by what 10.4 lengths that's huge yeah massive turnaround in speed now mind you did have some residual in terms of like it went out at a good speed first up at Sandown, so almost benchmark so it was ready to have a crack and it did do exactly that and i like this though just to see the tape when you look at the taper at the end if I, i compare it to the race before right I'm not saying that's a fair comparison, but it's a good guide. Both horses went around two lengths above benchmark first section. Both horses in the mid-race ran roughly the same. Benedetta, 3.1 below. British Columbia, 2.8 below. So almost the same, right? Then I look at the last 400 metres and the last 200 metres, and British Columbia has had to go an extra 100 metres in distance, has gone a length and a half quicker overall last 400, and a virtually the same over the last 200 metres, and there's the variance just on that alone, and you've gone an extra 100 metres. So I thought this was a very, very good run, and I'm expecting to see a lot more from this horse over more ground as well. Could be one of those typical slow matures that Graham yep. Begg like, <laughs> likes because he, he's a very good trainer. When he gets them in the zone, they're uh, they're very hard to beat. Road to Ataki won the stakes race in race seven. Just want to ask you for this because we didn't we, we were on on a break at the time. Uh, when she flashed home at, at Sandown, we put a big sizzler stamp on her from the 10th of uh, December meeting when last 400 plus 10.7. It's very rare they, they can break 10 even even uh, off, a, off a slow tempo. And then she led all the way at, at Flemington when Jamie Carr went on. But her speed was exactly the same from going back in the field to going up the front. And that's just an example of what a supreme judge of the animal and of pace Jamie Carr is. Yeah, for sure, Ralphie. And really, given the race shape here, where there was a a bit of a a slowdown between the eight and the four of a couple of lengths, to end up top four just below benchmarks, probably been a, a, a solid effort for this horse. How's it trending? It's... I still got. I've still marked the horse trending sideways, Ralphie. But I I do have to allow a little bit more for that slowdown of a couple of links, and it's definitely, in my view, ready to at least be able to break benchmark. Uh, Vespertine and Snapped almost a bracket. I, I think they're they're better horses back in distance in a coiled spring, or do you think maybe the slow pace and the slow track took took it out of both of them? 
Uh, which race is this, Rafi? It's in the same race, the fourth and fifth horses. Vespertine oh, okay. and Snap, oh, who have proven up the straight. and uh, no, uh, Up the straight with Vespertine. Snap was dynamic, winning over a 1,000 first up. Just wondering if they're called spring horses or if you think they can run the distance. Well, I, I, here's the challenge. First up at Flemington, up the straight, 10.4 lengths below benchmark first section. You're running five lengths faster here, slightly more ground. In the mid-race... The horse, I didn't feel made enough of a move. Just They just went with the flow. But this was a horse that, like Snapped, who's going another two lengths slower, both those horses, I don't believe, made a big enough move. But Vespertine in particular was just very gentle, two lengths. You have a look at Snapped. It was a four-length move in the mid-race, so a couple of lengths more. And then... Oh, you know, I look at the last 400 metres and the last 200 metres, a little bit disappointing for Vespertine. Snapped, probably had the edge overall, had to do a little bit more work in the mid-race and finished overall stronger. But then, you know, I, I just go to the scoreboard and say, okay, where, where are you travelling? Well, we know that Vespertine has the capacity to run above benchmark and this performance here, it is up on the first up run, but... So they have 147 days break. They have two runs and they come off a 74-day break. The trial leading into that Flemington run was sound. Like the horse must have had some fitness. So I'm just sitting here saying it's not like the typical mares we see. You know, you're either going to have a good campaign or, or, or a bad campaign or sideways. And I'm saying right now sideways for that horse. And snap, no, I want to wait and see again. All right, we'll finish with race eight. Right, you are. So, uh, comeback galloper, first prep, Mar Eustace, who missed 420 days. Now, this is what I wrote about him when he won on the 10th of December, uh, prior to his first up run, 14th and 9th. Fifth, fifth up, rock hard fit, and a murderous tempo race has produced an excellent standard performance. That was two lengths above benchmark. He just beat Eight No Deal Dunn, who since won again. It was a really strong race, Vince. So, that, that's from the point of view of right, you are. But the point of view of detonated Jack, he's cost the punters again at the odds on. Let me ask you it this way. I know you're never a bookmaker and you don't do odds, but let me ask you this. At the 800-metre mark, so right you are, started 380, uh, detonated Jack $1.70 roughly. Um, at the 800-metre mark, what odds was right you are or what odds was detonated Jack if you could stop the race and set a market? Well, you know, you would have won, you would have marked one tens and the other one's odds on because, and, and he's, and he's <laughs> the reason. I detonated Jack that was the odds on one. <laughs> yeah, and then here's the reason. I mean, right you are, when you come off not one run, but two runs where you've gone through your first section, good speed, round two, two and a half lengths above, and you find yourself going through the first half of the race 4.3 lengths below or six and a half lengths slower when you're rock hard fit. All you're going to do is have a stack of energy to give over the last half of the race. And and the move in the mid-race was really decisive, like it was above benchmark. Yes, it tanked a little bit over the last 200 metres, but, yeah, you know, dead and Jack's given, him, given that horse a six-length head start. But see in the mid-race, when you look how far above benchmark, Right, you are's gone 0.8 above, and Detonator Jack's gone 1.9. The difference is the squeeze. You just can't. I mean, it was the biggest squeeze of the day for Detonator Jack. Virtually two seconds. What were they? What were they, what were they hoping for? Did they think they were just going to be that good that they could just smash the competition? Well, that can happen if most of the horses are all first up and they're you know resuming on their campaigns. Yeah, I would say they're all going to weaken badly. But you had a rock hard fit horse. Yeah, 
and going well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, going very well. I mean, yeah. that run at Mooney Valley was 0.9 above. And like I said, Ralphie, coming back with this sort of race shape, big plus. Yeah. All right. So let's see what happens with Detonator Jack. But under that circumstance, couldn't have done any more. Nick's also asked us about last winter glory day. So actually, I'll include that in the bonus podcast because we've done our half hour. Like I said, we're doing a big preview of the All Stakes meeting this week. You can get a preview podcast via racetrackralphie.com.au and as well as your opportunity to become a member if you want to get the Group 1 podcast, which today... In fact, I want to. Uh, I'm going to flag one for next week, Vince. I'm going to flag one. Scott's asked us a question here. I had I had a weekend off. No question about this week's card. As a Hong Kong resident, I've had a great pleasure watching Golden Sixty over the last few years. In my mind, I heard the crowd going nuts. And last week's Stewards Cup, I thought to myself, Hong Kong's back. They finally started talking about travelling to Dubai and Australia, etc. Not sure if Vince clocks Hong Kong, but I'd be interested in his thoughts about what a market might look like if Golden Sixty travelled down for the All Star Mile. So, can we flag that for next week? Absolutely, no problems at all. All right, so we'll get some real good insight into what its level is. In the meantime, thanks so much for joining us on Year Round Carnival.